Good morning, everyone. I think you probably all know who I am, but if you don't, my name's Anna, and I'm part of the worshipping community here at Pippin Gyms. The story of Jesus walking on water is pretty familiar, both to Christians and non-Christians alike. And as Jesus' mind-bendingly crazy miracles go, it's kind of up there on the top of the list. And in Matthew's Gospel, it follows hot on the heels of another similar miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. It seems that Jesus can't even take a step without doing something amazing, quite literally, in today's reading. And in their boat, the disciples were being battered back and forth by the waves and the wind. As far as they knew, Jesus was still on the shore. Although some of them were seasoned fishermen, they were only out on the boat because Jesus had told them to go on ahead. And he was nowhere to be seen. It appeared that he'd abandoned them to the elements. They must have been anxious, confused and frightened. And then they see a man walking towards them on the waves. Now I don't know how superstitious these guys may have been, but I imagine by that stage they must have completely been freaking out. First, Jesus, their only reason for being out on the waves in the first place, stays behind without them. Then this terrible storm. And now some sort of ghostly apparition coming towards them. I'm not really convinced that the stories we read and hear about Jesus' miracles are ever really about the miracle themselves. Jesus wasn't a magician doing clever stunts to amaze people and try and convince them that he was someone really special. He wasn't into cheap tricks. And like with his other miracles, I think something more might be going on here. At this stage in the proceedings, the disciples were already aware that Jesus wasn't your average rabbi. They'd just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. So they knew that he must be something more, perhaps a powerful man with some special powers from God. Maybe like Moses. And they're just getting to grips with that particular bombshell when the storm hits and here comes Jesus strolling up on the waves saying, Don't worry lads, it's only me. You do wonder how much Jesus thought the disciples could take at one point, don't you? (laughs) Whether he was being entirely fair to them. Um, Job speaks about God as he who stretched out the heavens and trampled on the waves of the sea. So when Jesus appears on the water, he's actually making a very clear statement about who he was. Not simply a good man who spoke clever words nor an agent of God, however impressive that might be. But actually, he was the one by whom creation itself could be subdued. God himself. And I'm not sure that the realisation that they were facing the master of creation, God himself, would have made the disciples any less afraid. But there we have it. It's a helpful reminder that God and the things of which God is capable can sometimes be breathtaking even frightening. The story of Jesus walking on the water is in three out of our four Gospels. It's in Matthew, John and Mark. But only Matthew tells us about Peter's response. And more than the miracle itself, for me, it's this that I find most intriguing. Because, and I don't say this lightly, but surely only a complete nut job would try and get out of the boat. Christians talk about this miracle as if, oh, Peter, isn't he great? He got out of the boat. Really? 
Really? <laughs> because I would have been in the boat with his mate shouting, Peter, what the heck are you doing? It doesn't strike me that he's being especially brave or clever, but completely and utterly stupid. From the fact that Jesus can walk on water, it does not logically follow that therefore Peter can too. I want to shout to him, for pity's sake, do not get out of that boat. Unless. You know, I'm in no doubt that of the many stories concerning Jesus and his disciples, this is one of the most personal. Whatever was going on early that morning on the lake, whatever else it may have been between Peter and Jesus, it was deeply personal. Peter was originally known as Simon, and he was one of Jesus' first followers. And one of the first things that happens between the men is that Jesus gives Simon a new name. He becomes Peter. Their friendship has only just begun, and yet already he has a new name. Already there is a really strong sense of intimacy between them. Not every disciple gets a new name. Something special is going on here with Peter. And Peter, we all know about Peter, he's passionate, outspoken, headstrong. He always wants to be at the centre of what Jesus is doing. He wants to be useful to Jesus. He wants to share in Jesus' ministry and to be faithful to his master to the very, very end. Now we know how that story works out. But nevertheless, here is someone whose vision, whose heart and mind, whose whole present reality has been utterly by Jesus. So perhaps it doesn't seem quite so mad that when Peter rocked by the storm in that besieged boat, when he lays eyes on Jesus, he desperately wants to go to him. He doesn't want to wait for Jesus to get to the boat. After all, the boat is not working out all that well for them at the moment. And I wonder if Peter's thoughts were, contrary to all possible logical argument, something along these lines. Where my God is, there is my safety. Where my God is, there is my safety. Jesus has gone before him, so the way must be safe. And it strikes me that God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done before us or isn't prepared to do alongside us. A really fancy way of saying that is provenient grace, which is one of my favourite phrases. And it's the name for one of the most beautiful doctrines of the Christian faith. Provenient grace literally means that God goes before us, making it possible for us to turn, to see him and to follow and I think it's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. So as far as Peter's concerned, it's only advisable to try and walk on water if Jesus is already doing it and if he's invited you to join him. And love and trust make us do some crazy, crazy things. Because, and I think this is really important, it's something we so easily forget. Getting out of the boat is not Jesus' idea. It's Peter's idea. Jesus doesn't rock up calling out to Peter to come and join him as if it's some kind of crazy physical and spiritual test of loyalty. 
No, when Peter sees Jesus coming towards him, he calls out, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus does. And I think that is absolutely crucial. Because when we experience doubt and fear, it's often our natural reaction to want God to prove himself to us, to give us a sign that God is who God claims to be. This week I met an amazing guy called Tony. He's just brilliant. And I met with him at St Luke's in Maidstone. Um, He spent a year and a half being homeless before he eventually became a guest at the Maidstone Church's Winter Shelter. And Medway, we're getting involved in the Medway Church's Winter Shelter as well, which I'm really excited about here. And he was a Christian when he became homeless, but he found that his faith was really damaged by his time sleeping rough. He said to me, I've been taught that Jesus loved me, but I thought, hang on, if Jesus loves me, what am I doing sleeping outside under a tree? And that's a really good question. A really good question. And if we're honest, when the hard times hit, we often find ourselves questioning God like that. And I don't think that's a bad thing to do. I think God's big enough to take it. But if God's really who he claims to be, we want him to show up and to prove it to us. But Peter takes a different approach. Instead of asking Jesus to prove himself by coming to the boat so Peter can see him face to face and know that that's who he is, or by calming the storm so that Peter can witness his power firsthand, instead of all that, Peter asks to meet Jesus on the water. Peter is so invested in Jesus and in his mission that he's willing to step out of the boat to risk his own skin to prove who Jesus is. Peter tests God by first testing himself. And I think that's really interesting. God identifies himself. Peter doubts. Peter steps out. There's a rather trite Christian slogan associated with today's reading that, if I'm honest, leaves me rather cold. And I'm, I've no doubt I'm going to cause some offence here. <laughs> so I apologise in advance. I'm sure some of you have heard it. It's, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Somebody informed me after the 9.30 service that it's also the title of a book, so I'm very sorry about that. I'll tell you, though, why I don't like it. For Peter, it's not about walking on water. It's not about being a big hero or wanting to do something amazing and impressive. Instead, I think it was about two things. Love and trust. The love of his friend and saviour that meant he simply had to be where Jesus was. And the trust that Christ had gone before him and therefore the way must be safe. The reading tells us that once he's out of the boat, that's when he begins to panic. So it's not getting out of the boat for Peter that's the hard part. But when you realise where it is you've landed and things become horribly real. Many of us will testify to the fact that fear can distract us from the promises of God. And I've always thought that Jesus sounds really harsh in this reading, where he says, You have little faith, why did you doubt? And I'm thinking, really? I'm sure I would have doubted too. But actually, the way I read it, 
keeping that image of Jesus and Peter together. Jesus is speaking tenderly. He's reassuring Peter that his trust was not misplaced. He's saying, why such little faith, my friend? Didn't you know you'd be safe with me? So I was saying to Peter earlier, for pity's sake, don't get out of that boat. Unless, unless you can see Jesus, unless you want to join him, and unless you trust that he knows the way. Let's pray. God of all things, when the storms of life hit, the very last place we expect you to be is outside the boat. Widen our vision so we can just catch that glimpse of you so that we can see that you have gone before us. Fill us not just with courage but with love and trust. Help us to know that where you go, it is safe. And Lord, be with us every step, whether on water or dry land. Amen.